Mike Harrison Price for January the 4th coming to you from our studio at the Walk Center downtown built by Arbor Lee and don't forget to book your staycation. You said that you were going to be more attentive, that you were going to be spontaneous. Well, the focus staycation right in the heart of downtown, so close to the rink as well. If you want to combine that with a hockey game, uh, check it all out at the Wall Center downtown. Jeff Patterson alongside me here vacationing. Matt Sikaris is back on Monday, and we are a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. And what a deal right now at Applewood Nissan in the Richmond Auto Mall. Get the 2023 Rogue financed from just 3.99%, but with a winter tire offer as well. Buy a set of partner brand winter tires and get up to $170 off. It is all good at Applewood. Uh, Jeff, welcome back. Uh, day two of your stint here this week and uh, a game day for the Canucks and the St. Louis Blues as they begin this epic seven-game journey this is going to be something here for uh for their exploits this season i don't know that i can say and i believe and believe it that this is where their season lives or dies because i think you know there's a lot of middle ground there but uh, it's an important part of the schedule there's no doubt about that yeah uh, they have feasted on central division teams for whatever reason part of the reason the canucks have been as successful as they have this year seven one and two against teams from the central the only outright loss was in denver to the colorado avalanche but they shut out the blues back in october they'll try to make it two for two, and then they see St. Louis a little later on here this month back at Rogers Arena. But you know, I think the first game of any long road trip, there is a little bit more heft to it in terms of the springboard. Yeah, they bounced back from the Philadelphia loss. We like what we saw in the first period from them the other night against Ottawa. I'm not expecting five goals uh, in the first period, but uh, I do think you know, they've been so good at not chasing the games. Uh, they've opened the scoring so many times this season. Uh, they're a good team with the lead. We know that with the record about protecting uh, leads when they go to the third period. And and look, the Blues have already fired a coach. Uh, they've got one line of Robert Thomas uh, with Jordan Cairo and Pavel Buchnevich. And really after that, they're one of the lowest scoring teams in the NHL, one of the worst power plays in the National Hockey League. So this triple get tougher from here. This feels like opportunity knocking to set the tone for the remainder of the road trip, follow up a good victory against Ottawa with another one here against a, a very winnable, beatable opponent, and then get to the New York area and take your chances against uh, some some better uh, opposition in the days ahead. Uh, a win here gives you traction once again as you try to you know get a buffer above 500. Uh, they needed the win versus Ottawa to negate the loss versus Philly. They do that, and now they can... They can add to it. Again, traction above 500 and make sure that they're even that much higher above uh, not only the playoff bar, which is looking pretty safe at this point, but uh, above the rest and an advantageous playoff matchup potentially as well with the Kings and Golden Knights having uh, mediocre spells. They're not slumping per se, but certainly more mediocre spells of late. Um, you never know. Could they actually establish a, a little bit of a buffer zone between them and those two teams as well? We'll get more into the lineup in just a second. Uh, but our poll question today up on our socials, because today is also the day the Canucks find out of their first All-Star uh, participant, how many Canucks will be at this year's NHL All-Star game? We talked a little bit about this yesterday. They know that one is going as of today. Everybody gets one as of today. But they've got five legitimate claims to be All-Stars. We haven't put five because give me a break. They're not getting five. And I think <laughs> we have to say, give me a break. No. They're not getting four. We put four as an option. We've got one, two, three, and four as options. One seems ridiculous to me. Four seems just ridiculous. Not so much about deserving, 
it's just the sheer numbers. Like, how many teams can they afford to give four all stars to? Um, and given that it's in Toronto, the Leafs are going to give every get every consideration for that. So, I think the answer for me is two or three, Jeff. Or where do you land? Yeah, I, I would think baseline of two. Certainly, I, I think three on merit. But it does become a numbers game, and you just yeah. look around, like you know, McDavid and Drysaddle in Edmonton, like Evan Bouchard's having a great season, but is he going to the All Star game? Probably not. With those other two guys that are ahead of him, Colorado, you got to have McKinnon and McCarr, uh, Mika Rantanen, like perennial All Star, but you know, sometimes there's just not enough room uh, to squeeze all these guys in, and I think that's what's going to apply here. So I know yesterday we talked about who would the automatic one be. We'll find out. Uh, I said Quinn Hughes. Uh, you thought maybe Thatcher Demko. I think those two will be part of that weekend. And then it's a question of, you know, can the league overlook its third leading goal scorer and a guy that was uh, right up there with Austin Matthews uh, up until Christmas in Brock Besser? Uh, and if not, I mean, that's a shame uh, because Besser's done everything for, the, you know, if it's about picking the best players for this year, then you want to reward guys. JT Miller's a top five scorer in the National Hockey League. And I kind of feel like he might get overlooked. And in saying all that, like Elias Pettersson sort of feels like an afterthought yeah. just because there are so many guys that are ahead of him in the here and now. So uh, I'm going to say they somehow they do get a third one, but I need to see the way the math breaks down around uh, the National Hockey League. Because I think a lot of teams can sort of make this similar argument, but how many is too many and how do you squeeze them all in? But uh, ultimately, if I'm casting a vote in this poll, I will say three. I just don't know which three or or how that's all going to play out. There was a time when I would uh, would contribute to the snub talk. I don't know that I'm going to get it too invested in snub talk. Just the the way that this team is chosen, having mandatory all stars for all teams, like it really does limit uh, how many guys can go from every team. And there's just going to be snubs, and there's going to be some flagrant ones from the Vancouver Canucks. I mean. I'm, I think there's a legitimate possibility that the best player on the team, who I think is Elias Pettersson, is probably not going to go just by virtue of circumstance and how it all plays out. So I don't know that I'm going to get too up in arms about about the stubs. I I bet you that in general, the fans probably don't either, Jeff, because they might see that the numbers game just doesn't play out for them as well. Well, and I think there's also an element of, like, hey, if guys can get a week's rest instead of having to travel the truck, like for this season, like be all in for the Vancouver Canucks that, Patterson, he represented the team last year in Florida. He had to travel. It uh, didn't stop him on the way to 102 points. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I think there is an upside to if it does end up just being two players. Uh, you know, again, it's a weekend. They start out of the All-Star break in Carolina. So, guys, everybody's going to have to make their way east eventually there. But I don't think Elias Patterson would be all that disappointed, to be perfectly honest with you. I know he wants to consider himself among the best in the National Hockey League, and that's one way to look at it. But he was there last year. He'll be there again. It's just uh, this embarrassment of rich, riches that they have individually this season. And I do wonder, too, Blake, if you're a Canucks fan, does the idea of three as opposed to even two or one Canucks participating in the All-Star Weekend, does that up your interest? Like, I'm not the target audience, right? Like, this is more about for kids and younger generations and all of that. Like, we do this for a living, and so I'll keep an eye on it. But, you know, I've checked out on the All-Star games, It's you know, and and it is games now with the the three-on-three. I've checked out long ago. The skills competition still holds a little bit of intrigue, and I guess – you know, to answer my own question, if there are three Canucks and somehow they were all involved in the skills competition, 
yeah, maybe I'd want to watch that. But even with the changes to this year, I'm not sure that any of the Canucks that go will be involved in the skills competition. So I don't know if having uh, three Canucks there as opposed to one, you know, for a lot of people, it's just, it's a tune out altogether. The all-star game or social media was built for the all-star game or vice versa. Um, that's how I consume the All-Star game. Because if there's good moments, guess what? They're going to be on social media, and I'm going to yeah. see them there, and I won't have to sift through all of the stuff in between. So um, it'll it'll make me search social media uh, for Canuck moments, but I don't think it's going to have me watching the entirety of the skills day or, and, or the game. They'll do it upright. It's Toronto. Like They're, they're not going to yeah. miss on this one. And I think after two years of experimenting, and look, it, I had no problem with the league experimenting in Vegas with the – you know, the events in the Bellagio Fountains and last year on the beach with the dunk tank in Florida, they they tried to take their location into account, but it really that was more about building a television event. Uh, as you can understand, for the people that were in the building, I mean, it's a buzzkill, right? Like they're just sitting there uh, during these massive gaps as they're rolling these pre-recorded segments uh, for the television product. Uh, apparently it's all going back in-house this year uh, and they're going to try to up the skills competition and throw in some money at the players, and we'll see if that gets their attention. Uh, but I, I'm with you there. Like the the game itself, or multi games on this the second day of the event, uh, just sort of take it or leave it. I, it's just not something that uh, terribly intriguing to me. You know, when you think back the last what ten years of the All Star weekends, and the, the one that stands out is that your John Scott got there, and like you know, basically uh, became a bit of a farce, but in good fun and everybody embraced it. And I think the league did too, but you know, you can't go to that well every year. So we'll see. I mean, I get the corporate schmooze, but it's not going away. And, and I don't think it should. Like I think no. it, you know, it, it plays a role for the NHL on the marketing side and its best clients and all that kind of stuff. Like there's a place for it and it'll be a big deal in Toronto. It will just like these outdoor games on location in the city they're in. They're a big deal. But as we saw the, Ratings came out for the Winter Classic down in Seattle, and they were like down the toilet. Uh, again, I'm not saying flush the Winter Classic as an event, but I just think the novelty's gone. Uh, the proliferation of whether it's Stadium Series games or Heritage Classic, you know, it, 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 they're not what they once were. And ultimately, the first one that came out, you're never going to top it with Sid in the snow in Buffalo. The visuals, the optics, everything else. Uh, now, to me, it's just kind of a so-so event, and the television ratings in the States certainly showed that for uh, the Kraken and the and the Golden Knights on New Year's Day. Asking two young fan bases to support that TV rating was uh, a lot to ask, and uh, it didn't pay off for, for the NHL in that regard. So, uh, again, log on, cast your vote. Uh, one, two, three, or four Canucks at this year's All-Star Game. Canucks at uh, St. Louis to begin this epic seven-game journey. And um, state of mainstream media, uh, not a single member of the Canucks media core were uh, attending the game day skate there in St. Louis. Thankfully, in-house media did. And Kay Pedersen was guiding uh, us through some of the uh, lineup. And it appears there will be a notable scratch of some sort. It's looking like Kuzmenko. Maybe it's Hoaglander not in the lineup. Regardless, I think it it does you know, continue an interesting trend by the Vancouver Canucks with regards to those two particular players in that I don't know that they are that enamored with either of these two particular players, Jeff. Yeah, and again, we've been talking about the fact that this team already needed one more scoring winger, and 
if one of those players comes out of the lineup, like it looks like Pia Suter is going to play on the wing with JT Miller and Brock Besser, but Sam Lafferty, we're back at Sam Lafferty as a wingman for Elias Pettersson with Ilya Mikheyev on the other side. And, you know, Elias Pettersson does what he can uh, with the players around him. But, man, if there's a guy that's crying out for an upgrade at the wing position, and that's with all due respect to Sam Lafferty, who scored nine goals in limited ice time and no power play time. But Sam Lafferty's not the answer as a top-line winger for the Vancouver Canucks. So they continue to move these parts around. And I know that there are a lot of people that think, no, the answers are either Kuzmenko, a rehabilitated Kuzmenko, or Nils Hoaglander, who's in double digits. And yet, neither one of those guys uh, seems to be able to get out from under the thumb of Rick Tockett. And so it does beg the question. We've wondered about Kuzmenko long-term here. You also wonder now, as trade chatter starts to begin here into the new year, if the Canucks are looking to upgrade, you know, is Nils Hoaglander a trade chip that they would be willing to part with uh, to try to find somebody that could come in in the here and now and and help them with a little more scoring. So, yeah, interesting developments out of St. Louis at the start of the road trip, a winning lineup the other night. Uh, they're forced to make one change, obviously, because Phil Giuseppe. And since we last did this, we learned that Linus Carlson gets the call up. Looks like he's going to get plugged in uh, lower in the lineup. But Linus Carlson plays, and either Hoaglander or Kuzmenko doesn't. Again, it doesn't quite sit right with me when you're trying to optimize the lineup that you've got to work with. You, you can't think that no matter how bad either one of those two players is, is playing, I don't think that Linus Carlson in for either one of those two players is your best 12 forwards available to you on, on this night. I just, I just don't. And I understand, Oh, he's sending a message. He sent the message. He, he has. And I, and I think at this point it's about more, you know, managing in the moment. If you don't like a shift from that player, you tell that player. Uh, I, I think there's other ways to do this. And he's he's had very few uh, moves made wrong this season, Rick Tockett. Um, but I I, I don't know. I, I don't know that this is the way, unless they just unless they just don't care at this point about the message, about the development of either of these two players, because they, they really feel like one or both may not be there past the trade deadline. But to get the most out of these guys, I'm pretty sure you can do that in-game, because I don't think Linus Carlson is giving you a better chance to win than, than either of these two players. Both of those two players, I've got, you know, I, I can see a path to them scoring a goal tonight. I don't see a path to Linus Carlson scoring a goal. Now watch him score, but, but, <laughs> but I think you got to play the odds, right? And the, the odds are far better that Kuzmenko or Hollander or Hoaglander um, gets you a point than, than Linus Carlson. Yeah. Look, third call up for Linus Carlson. No problem with that. Uh, he's earned his opportunity by all accounts has been one of, if not the best forwards that they've had down in Abbotsford. So yeah, first guy to get the call, but that doesn't mean that he has to get the call and get plugged right in. Like right. the way they're, roster is constructed he's their 13th best forward you'd think and yet he is leapfrogging one of those others to get into the lineup if it all plays down or plays out that way and yeah I mean at some point this sort of merry-go-round of Kuzmenko in the lineup out of the lineup and same with Hoaglander like at some point you just say clearly with this coach and these players it, it's just not happening it's not the fit here uh, I wouldn't want them to give up on Hoaglander but at the same time, you got to give to get, and there is a price to be paid to upgrade your hockey club. I guess the question is, if you're trading him, are you truly upgrading your hockey club, or are you giving away a young player who just turned 23 that has already proven that he can score in the National Hockey League? The guy's been in double digits in three of his four years in the NHL. 
Uh, I'd hate to see them part with a guy like Hoaglander because I do think he can be a piece of what's coming. The part I don't get with Hoaglander is Rick Tockett wants these guys with high energy that you know win their board battles and everything else, and that's what Hoaglander does. But the knock has always been through three head coaches now about his play away from the puck, defensive responsibilities. When the bench gets shortened, usually he's caught up in all of that, and you just wonder if it is sort of an oil and water thing that those two co- that coach and that player are just never going to quite mix. And at that point, are you better using him as a trade chip than to try to find somebody that can come in and, and do the things that Rick Tockett wants to do? Well, we'll see exactly what happens this evening and we'll talk about it uh, on tomorrow's show and obviously on Rinkwide Vancouver uh, coming up later today as well. Uh, the other consideration in the trade chip possibility is prospects. And boy, do the Canucks have some prospects now. Uh, Sweden into the final at the World Junior Hockey Championship with the trio of Canucks playing their roles and all playing their roles pretty darn well. Elias Pettersson, uh, EPD, has been uh, a nice time leader for the team as a defensive defenseman. Uh, Wheelander, of course, on the power play and and uh, his Plus minus was nine or 10, I think, by the end of this game for the tournament. Uh, looking pretty good defensively for a guy that's notable notable for his offense. Uh, and then at the top of the uh, the trifecta there is Jonathan LeCaramacki. who gets a couple of goals from two different spots, one right in front in traffic and one from the, the scoring office, if you will, the sort of Ovechkin spot um, with a, a nice snipe. I mean, these are... These are three good stories for the Vancouver Canucks. And, hey, prospects are going to have a role to play as the salary cap crunch gets worse with the uh, cap hits uh, over the next couple of years, particularly from OEL. But it's interesting to see, like, three guys developing, just as you would hope here in their draft plus one and and draft years, uh, draft plus two as, as well. Yeah, and under the eyes of uh, Patrick Alvin, who is there and watching and – uh, you know, I'm sure they're aware of that. I don't know that that adds pressure at this point. They're playing for a gold medal now in front of their home country. There's there's enough pressure there. Uh, Patrick Alvin at this point is just another Swedish guy that's in the crowd, essentially, for them. But they have played their way to, like, what an opportunity. We know what it means to Canada to play for the World Junior Gold on home soil. The Swedes are going to have that opportunity now. And the fact that Lekaramaki is the guy that's driving the bus and is tied for the tournament scoring lead, and the game winner here uh, earlier today, uh, yeah, I mean, this is good news. Like, I think back to last year's World Juniors where it was disappointing. I didn't want to call them a, a bust, but to see the growth year over year, and and he's not the first guy and he won't be the last, but you forget sometimes that, you know, they are teenagers, they're still growing uh, physically, mentally. Uh, you know, it was a disappointing World Juniors for him last year and for him to s- step out center stage, the shot, like the dude can just flat out shoot the puck. I mean, that's a gift. And at the NHL level, most guys can shoot the puck, but some sort of separate themselves. And I think he is in that category. That's his meal ticket. Question is, as uh, he comes over to North America, smaller ice, you know, bigger and better opponents. He scores so many of those, like where he curls off, it's a right-hand shot, but he curls you know, out of the corner on the left-wing boards, cuts out. Like, Can he score that goal from distance? Was he going to have the time and space in the NHL against NHL goaltending? So I... Uh, uh, Again, I take nothing away from what he's done. He can only beat the goaltenders that are in front of him, and he keeps doing that with regularity and with some flash and some flourish. So it's been fun. And to have three Canucks on that team, uh, you know, EP, the defenseman, uh, big, physical, have seen a lot of contact. He initiates contact an awful lot. 
Uh, Willander has kind of been understated, but as you said, just solid, seems to be in the right spots at all times. So, yeah, like this is kind of exciting now that as much as we would have liked Canada to have more success, uh, if you have to adopt a team, uh, you can do a whole lot worse than uh, the Swedes with all uh, these Canucks there. And for Patrick Elvin to be able to just watch it, uh, you know, in person is different than watching on TV. You can see away from the puck. You can, you know, focus on individuals and what they're doing and all those types of things. So I think it's great that Alvin's there and getting the opportunity to see these three guys play on the biggest possible stage for them uh, at their age group. Those three guys, Hunter Brustevich leading the OHL in scoring. I mean, there's it's up now to the Canucks to determine are these guys suspects or prospects? And like, is it projectable to the NHL? As you said, that's on the the coaching staff and we'll uh, maybe get an indication of their thoughts on all those players uh, by the trade deadline this year, uh, depending on, on what happens. Uh, Big show. We'll talk about uh, a lot of these topics and more with our couple of guests. Let's get into the menu presented by Greta Greta Bar and Grill, a great spot if you're headed towards the game. So close. It's ours and Canucks Army's home for food, drinks, and watching the game pre- and post-game head to Greta. And coming up next, Patrick Johnson of the province will give us his take on the road trip to come. Uh, We'll get into Rick Tockett's approach with the team and his imprint on the squad and the possibility of a signed Elias Patterson maybe before the all-star break hashtag the best and worst of twitter to follow golf is back we'll let you know when and where and the canadian quotient uh, playing a big role in golf's return to uh, the new year uh and then rob williams from the daily hive and the offside vertical stops by with his take on uh, some interesting moments in and around the canucks including an appearance by the great one Garrison Price from the Wall Center and beyond, as always, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group and Infinity Applewood in Richmond has got some fabulous deals. The QX50 and QX55 2023 edition finance it from 0%. Yes, 0% interest in today's economy. It can be done. Lease it from 2.99%. Also amazing. Plus, you get $1,500 in bonus cash. So head to the Richmond Auto Mall, Applewood Infinity in Richmond. It's all good at Applewood. It's also always good when we have Patrick Johnson on from the province and the province.com, who uh, is full of smiles. You clearly have been watching the Swedish team at the World Juniors. That's what's put you in such a good mood. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jonathan Lukaramaki, the star of the tournament, or whatever we're saying at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that kid can finish. Holy smokes. I mean, it, it does have you dreaming. Um, we've been banding about what that means for the Canucks going forward a little bit. Um, what, yeah. what, you know, what do you think the Canucks think of Jonathan Lekaramaki? Because it's been a tale of uh, 12 months and then 12 months. And the last yeah. 12 months have been great, but the prior 12, not so great. Uh, but they are kids and they develop and, you know, it's trending in the right direction. What do you think they think of him, given that they do want to improve the season? Well, they look. They look at oh, in terms of value, you mean like like trade ship. I mean, is, is that is that somebody that they're willing to depart? Well, yeah. I am of two minds. Um, <laughs> they obviously, we know they want to add a winger or a, a top six forward. That that is clear. To do that will be an expensive thing to do, uh, and and so inherently you end up looking at prospects and what you have and how the rest of your roster fills out. 
Um, at the same time, I think, I mean, I, I have been thinking about this for a while. I think they, I mean, no team wants to trade a first, but if they are going to be where they're going to probably finish, which is going to be that pick will be in the high twenties. You know, I think that first round pick is something they're, they're, if you're trying to do your hierarchy of, of willingness to trade things, that's definitely above trading the Karamaki. I think back a lot to that conversation I had with Jim Rutherford uh, last month where we talked about the OEL bio and the impact that's going to have on their cap situation. And it is very clear that they are at least planning on Lakaramaki and hopefully Willander, you know, being guys that can be in the NHL lineup, not next year, but the year after that, when that, when that bio really starts to ramp up, um, that, that he is a player. They, they need their young guys on ELCs to help them manage their way through this situation that I think they know they created for themselves but they believe they can do it. I mean, they they look at how things have gone with the current prospects, with the lower end prospects that are in Abbotsford, and they say, "Listen, both these guys, we believe in our in our in our model. We believe in our system. We think it's going to work. And these guys need to be Vancouver Canucks in a season or two. So, yeah, I think that as much as anything is driving the thinking. Of course, if you can add a player uh, right now who will drive you closer to the Stanley Cup. I think they will think long and hard about that. I don't think it is a thing they would very much like to do though. They know the price is there, but that's I don't know if that's a player really they want to give up given what they need in the years to come. Patrick, the, the shot is undeniable. Uh, and we've known that for a while about Lakaramaki. I guess the question is, uh, and it gets asked of anybody that performs on the bigger ice coming over to North America, time and space yeah. can he get that yeah. shot away can he score those goals and is there maybe a cautionary tale a little bit like brock besser broke into the league advertisers having a great shot and he scored yeah. a bunch of goals early yeah. but now you look at brock and the way that he's scoring right. uh is it just as simple as saying this guy's a scorer and a shooter he's going to be able to do it on any kind of ice well i go even further back right like that was the thing i think in hindsight we realized it was a problem with jake for tannin's game right jake you look at his highlight reels from junior and all his goals were scored with him facing no one between him and the goalie, right? Like all he, he, he beat defensemen up ice and then just skated his way to the net and didn't have to deal with any pressure defensively. And then he got to the NHL and even with his big body, he couldn't figure it out. So here's Jonathan LeCaramacchi, who's a, who's a slight guy who will need to use his hockey sense to create scoring opportunities for himself. And you're right. Like Brock Besser has figured out, you know, I asked him this last week and he didn't, you know, he, oh no, it's all just good fortune and blah, blah, blah. But come on, Brock, you've made yourself a better player. You know, you score, you are scoring greasy goals that weren't necessarily there the last couple of seasons. And a lot of that is being hockey smart, being strong, finding the seams. You know, Rick Tockett talked about how good he is at finding the seams. But Karamaki's going to have to do that. Now, one of the strong things we have seen from him this year after a realistically a tough season last year is if you watch the way he is scoring goals, in Sweden. Now, yes, there are a lot of goals like the ones he scored today where they're from the outside, quick release, picking spots. You know, you, you're playing against goalies in the World Juniors who are good, but they're not NHL goalies. And if you're going to score against goalies who are much better than you've seen before, you can't just do that one thing. And what we've seen from him in the SHL this year is we have seen him scoring from other spots. Uh, I remember early on, you know, he scored a couple of nice goals in, in the exhibition season in, in Sweden. And you're like, okay, that's nice. Now I want him to see it, you know, on top of the crease. I want to see him score from the slot. I want to see him score under pressure. And and we have seen evidence of that 
good. That's progress. That's what you want. You know, he's talented enough that you'd hope that that's where he would be. But obviously, you know, he sounds like he's going to come to, at least to the AHL next year, and he'll have to show he can do that at the AHL level. And then obviously the ultimate test comes after that. He scored a couple of goals doing the JT Miller. I, am I blind or is this, have they been doing this for, for recent years? But I've seen more of this exiting the zone right. as a shooter yeah. and then skating downhill into, into right. is that, is that just new? Like, or have I been blind to that? I mean, it's, it's a thing that was, it's been highlighted to me in the past. If you, if you were paying attention, it's at least in the early days of the Edmonton Oilers power play with Connor McDavid, a lot of what they were trying to do was create essentially rush opportunities. It's a bit of a rush scenario. And, and yeah, that Miller thing reminds me of what, you know, the Oilers were trying to do with McDavid, obviously different yeah. quality of player, but, but yes, a strength of Miller is that shot is that coming in, coming in off the wing, changing your angle a little bit, giving the goalie something to track, you know, it's better than a static shooter, I think is the thinking. So yeah, seeing Lucari Mackey do that is remnant. You're exactly right. It reminds yeah. me of Miller, which reminds me of McDavid. So there we go. Hey, good models. Uh, yes, to, uh, absolutely. To work from, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, yes, I mean, JT Miller, one of the best, he is one of the best power play players in the league. Like, like that is something he is very good at. And so you could do worse than model, model yourself after JT Miller. He's one of the best power play players in the league. He's not one of the best penalty killers. And I think no. that's been apparent for a while now. And I don't know if you saw the tweet that I had yesterday, but since December the 5th, so basically a month now, Canucks penalty kill is sixth best in the National Hockey League, which is a far right. cry from where it's been over the last couple of years. And the biggest switch to me in all of that is they obviously they got Pia Suter back. Teddy Bluger's had a run of games now since his injury and, and joining the team. But they have turned the penalty killing duty over yeah. to Suter, to Bluger, to Joshua, and Neil Zaman. And JT and Elias Patterson, they sometimes get a little mop-up duty at the end of PKs, but they are not the primary penalty killers. And proof's in the pudding here. The penalty kill's been pretty damn good for the last month or so. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I think you, you want to give the player the chance. He, he, I think, you know, it was the rhetoric early in the season was that JT says, I want to be good at this. And they gave him some runway and it didn't work out. Maybe he can come back to it. Maybe he can figure it out. I mean, obviously we know how much he talks with Rick Tockett and, and, and tries to learn about the game. And I think has improved elements of his game this year. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what do you want Miller to do? You want him scoring points. You don't want him burning energy, killing penalties. I think that's the other thing is that, that realistically, as much as he might want to be that, that, that 22 minute a night horse, you'd rather him playing focusing in on using his energy at on offense, uh, finding goals, finding, setting up Brock Besser, doing all these things. Uh, and you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the Dakota Joshua was signed to be a penalty killer, right? Like every single one of those guys was signed to help the penalty kill. And I don't find it surprising now that they are running with all these guys who are said to be penalty killing specialists, that things are going well. And stick with it, you know, stick with what's working. The, the defensive end of the game is something they do need to dial in. And Rick Tockett's talked a lot about it, but as this team moves forward, especially as maybe some of those goals disappear that we think will happen, uh, you know, they're going to have to start winning one goal games, right? Like a lot of these wins have been, been by multiple goals. They're going to be a lot more one goal games and they want to win those games. They don't want to end up in overtime. They want to end up, you know, losing things late. They want to make sure that they're dialed in, and that penalty kill is going to be a huge part of that story. First time chatting with you uh, since the uh, holidays, and uh, it was a weird holiday break uh, for Elias yeah. Pettersson, who saw rumors swirling, and you know they were kind of out of left field and weird. And 
you know, all this stuff, of course, would come to an end if he got a contract. Yeah. Um, I saw articles written today about Willie Nylander using the All-Star break as a sort of a, yeah. not a pressure point, because there's really no pressure point there, but as a goal uh, to get the deal done. Uh, and and that's what the Nylander camp wants. Do you think the Pedersen camp secretly wants something like that too? Or are they willing to to push it to an actual pressure point like the trade deadline or or even the end of the season? Well, if you can believe it, I chatted with Pat Brisson yesterday and he told mm -hmm. me, I said, where are things? It's still quiet. You know, the, the, the generally <clears throat> they've been not pushing. They've, they've, I think they've sort of made it clear sort of where things are at, but like they haven't been pushing the tempo on this and things are still pretty quiet. I do think the idea of, you know, sort of the pressure points obviously are the summer, right? Yeah. Like that's the ultimate pressure point because in the end, if he just takes his QO, he can walk the unrestricted free agency and pick his, pick his thing next year. Um, to me, in the end, they know they have. It, it's really kind of on them, on Elias Pettersson. What does he want to do now? I, I, I think he. I mean, I, I've said this before. I, I think it comes back to that basic assessment. He said it's about winning. Um, you know, what's the culture? What's the environment around the team? And and, and what does he want out of this? I I think he really does want to win championships. Not every player is in this to win championships, but this is a player who wants to be at the top of the heap, who really feels that in his blood, I think. And and so that to me is the ultimate thing. What are these, what is this team doing? How does he feel about everything? You know, how does he feel the culture of the team? Is the team going to go somewhere? And right now they're in a great direction. Um, but ultimately, I, I I think it's going to be a slow burn on this one. And then it'll suddenly will come together. I mean, it's not like there's going to be all these complicated. They it will be clear what his value is, what the term is. Obviously, the longer it goes, the bigger the contract. The shorter it goes, lower the AAV. Um, there are all kinds of considerations in here, but I, I think it's going to be one of those ones that it will it will probably be very quiet, and then all of a sudden it's going to come together, and or or it ultimately won't. It's Players fascinating, smart. though. It, it, it's fascinating the timing of all of this. And look, the Pedersen camp has the right. It takes two sides to negotiate. And they can slow play this, but the Vancouver Canucks are trying to be a competitive hockey team on the ice this year with yeah. so many guys on expiring deals that they have to have an eye to next year. And, mm -hmm. you know, at the trade deadline this year, like we've heard that the Zdorov camp uh, is looking for big money. Like in a perfect world, you'd like to know what your biggest piece is going to cost you. And then yeah. underneath that, uh, you know, you, you've got, uh, other guys, Heronic obviously is going to need a sizable contract as well. So, like, yeah. it does put like this is the difficulty of running basically in three lanes of long term, short term, and you know the here and now with a competitive team. And, and I mean, you know, what? that's exactly where my mind was going too, Jeff. And and I'll, I'll I'll make it a question for you here, Peaches. How much do you think players are aware of that in today's day and age? Yesterday's player, twenty years ago, they lived only in the present. I, yeah. I really do believe that they they would see their their team at fourth in the overall standings. You go, we're a great team. Uh, I'm happy. We're. I I think today's players a little bit more savvy. Certainly, the agents would probably mm -hmm. speak it to them and say, "Listen, this is what's coming down the pike. They've got yeah, a bunch right. of UFAs. You know, like are, are they more savvy to the medium and long term? Do you think? I I think I mean they certainly like certainty, right? You know, they want to know what they're what they're doing. I mean, this this comes down to everything. I think we 
I've been talking about in terms of, you know, whether you talk about the way Rick Tockett handles people, like the, the sort of the emotional intelligence, understanding that they want to know what's going on around them. I mean, Rick Tockett's amazing at this. There's a reason why he clearly has so many friends around the NHL. You know, you, the way he interacts with people, the way he gets along with people, that's why he's connected so well with this group. I mean, these players are used to being in the middle of their their process they know why they're doing things they know what's coming ahead of them they, they are trying to anticipate what needs to happen next and and so yeah i mean elias Pettersson is a guy that i think is you, you look at the t- when he gets asked about sort of other players you think about the the one of the things that was in the uh uh long interview with, with elliot freeman at the beginning of the season was talking about you know what's your lineup like who's who are your guys you're winning trying to win a gold medal for sweden you know, final minute or whatever it is, you need a goal. Who's it going to be? And like, he has a real process. He knows who everybody is, right? So he is not a guy that sits back and goes, "Oh, I don't know who I'm playing tonight. We'll see what happens." <laughs> like, like, like that. That surely extends. He wants. He will be looking around. I mean, he is paying attention to all this stuff. Like, he is not one of these guys. Um, he doesn't talk a lot about it, but he knows what the conversation is, and. Uh, and, and so he is in the middle. I mean, obviously you have agents and in general, you want them to guide you to where you want to be. And he made an intentional switch to JP Perry and Bat Brisson a couple of years ago because he wanted the best, right? He wanted that full service agency. He wanted to have everything going. And he, he saw how much money these guys have gotten for their players. Like that was an intentional choice. Um, all due respect to Michael Deutsch, who is his original agent and a good guy, and I think has a long reputation as a good, solid agent. But he went with the biggest guys around, and that was intentional. Like that, this is a guy that clearly knows what he wants and um, has put it on his agents. I mean, they've got it for their players before. You can look at Tyler Myers, right? Look at look at any of the long list of guys elsewhere that they've had on their list. Um, Roberto Luongo, like there are guys. They've gotten their players what they've wanted over the years, and I will fully expect that Elias Pettersson will be very happy once this all gets settled. Uh, another example coming up in uh, hashtags of Rick Tockett's character right. that you sort of alluded to there. Um, yeah, how much do you think he's had an effect on changing the culture in the room and changing accountability and all that sort of stuff? I think I think a huge amount, like sort of yeah. set out. These are the standards, and and I think they're good. You know, these are these are things that I think all of us as humans would appreciate, right? Like you, you show respect towards each other. You you respect what's in front of you. Um, there's a reason behind all the decisions. There's a reason behind what they're doing. He talks a lot about this and being engaged and and and, and pursuing that conversation. I mean, Jeff and I very well know how much Rick loves to talk, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> the that. number of the number of media, you know, there aren't a ton of reporters on the road these days, but when they do come by, like, you know, Randy, I think it was Randy Hahn from the San Jose Sharks for Christmas. He goes, wow, what a, you know, holy smokes. And I was like, man, every day, 12 minutes. Like it is, it is amazing how much Rick likes to talk. And yeah. he, and he wants, he, he, in many ways, I, I, I've never really asked him this, but I, I, you know, there is a bit of a, you know, almost a sort of a hockey evangelist. He wants us to see, he's trying to sell the game all the time and he's he believes in it like he's Good. a true believer and yeah. he's very authentic i really have come to believe this talking to people around like he isn't a, he is what he seems to be he he for lack of a better terms gives a shit about other people like he cares and 
Um, he wants to know that people are doing well and, and, and that he's there to support people. And, and I think it's pretty clear that the players, the players have responded to that is no accident that, uh, that he knows as many people as he does. And he has so much respect. I mean, I, the other thing, you know, I, I, I texted with Jim Rutherford a bit about this and I said, just, he just seems like he just, he's been such an interesting person to get to know. And, and, and basically Jim said, I can believe that, you know, I had the same experience 11, 12 years ago. Like the guy is just, a, he is a person who cares. As Jim told me, this was the, this was the coach that, uh, that the players went to when they were in Pittsburgh. You know, he was a guy that if I have an issue or I'm trying to figure something out, they would go to him. You know, Brandon Sutter told me this uh, before New Year's when I had a little quick little chat with him about some, I wrote a hockey numbers thing about sort of Canucks success at tipping pucks. Uh, but the other thing that came up, he said, man, that Rick Tockett is just the nicest guy and he understands the game and and he cares about his players. And, and it, it just, it's a positive effect on everybody. Well, Patrick, you've seen it as well. I it's not even the work that he does at the podium or if we scrum him, it's when that breaks down. Usually in my experience, most coaches it's exit stage left. Oh, they've yeah. done when they talk it. It's like he wants it to continue. Yeah. And the number of times, just small talk. Um, and I I've told the story to others. Were you there the day at UBC? I can't remember if you were part of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. When, so there were about six or eight media guys out at UBC after a practice and we did all the official business and it broke down. And on Rick's way out, somebody just asked him about being a net front presence in his playing days. And all of a sudden, he was grabbing guys, the media members. All right, yeah. you stand here. You're the defenseman. <laughs> yeah. No, you're another forward. And this is, and then he started to show us like, and he, he yeah. had his glove and his stick. And yeah. he started to show us body position and how he liked to, you know, try to. Get, it was incredible. It yeah. went for 10 minutes. The yeah. PR department was standing there completely helpless, <laughs> probably freaking out. Uh, but it was just a guy that was sharing experiences yeah. that none of us had of playing in the NHL. Yeah. It was incredible. Like it really, like class was in session. It was fitting that it was out of UBC. Yeah. And, and he has an understanding of how to, how to explain things, you know, and I, I, um, you know, I always used to say, I think I've said this before here, but I've always said, you know, that there's there's the players who can do it, but have no idea what it worked. There's the players who can't do it, but know why it worked. There's the players who can't do it and have no idea. That's most of us. And then there's obviously there's the top end, the guys who, who did it and understood. And Tockett's one of those guys. And he knows. And that's why he's such a good coach. You know, you talk about, um, you know, there was a you know, he mentioned his good buddy Wayne Gretzky is the the most famous person you know on his in his phone. Um, but you know, one of the criticisms, you know, I think we go back. Gretzky, I think, tried his best to understand how athletes learn. You know that that, but oftentimes those elite guys, because they could just do it, they were it was hard for them to understand how to get how you get better, how you and talk. It has clearly over, since he retired, even obviously when he was playing was trying to figure out how the game works. How do these things come together? What is the point of all this? Why are you teaching these things? You know, what is the base element of, of you know, like what is offense about? People will have scoring goals. I said, well, how do you score a goal? I don't know. You're trying to break apart the defense. You have to break apart the defense to create the opportunities, right? And he's a guy that thinks about this all the time. Adam Foote brought this up to me when I was talking to him uh, before Christmas for the story I did on foot. He just said, man, the way Rick explains stuff is just, he's so on point and so insightful and he, and he, and, and it delivers, right? Like his teams play well, they play well. It's fun, exciting hockey. The players are enjoying themselves and they're getting results. Coaching a big part on the seven game road trip. Uh, yeah. Quickly before you go over under on wins here, given the, oh, uh, 
given the schedule and the opponents, it's uh, it's not going to be easy. Well, I I, I told Chappie on that uh, for Province Sports. We we have a discussion so every week and we talk about this. And I said I went and said five and two, so I'm going to have to stick with that. Ooh, wow. It's it's going to be a big trip, but there's you know it's even that New York stretch. You know the three and four. They're not. I mean, I haven't actually double checked if they're moving hotels. The last time they did it, they actually did move hotels for each game. Um, even that is barely anything, right? No, like there's no. the, 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 yeah. you can handle that. Uh, the the you know they, they're in St. Louis, St. Louis to New York. Well, you know Vancouver to St. Louis is the longest part of the stretch. Then St. Louis to New York is the second longest part of the stretch, other than coming home, of course. But after that, you know it's what Buffalo, Columbus, Pittsburgh. Like these are all very short flights. You're up and down. Um, the, the, and they've got breaks in between. It, it's a it, this entire schedule now through the run of the rest of the season is set up for them to succeed. There's a lot of there's not a lot of demanding stuff in there anymore. This is obviously the longest trip. That will just be a chore. But in terms of rest and recovery, they're going to have a lot of it. And and again, Rick Tockett dialed in on all that stuff. They are going to try to optimize themselves. I mean, he talked. I mean, it was funny. I think that last chat we had, he talked so much. I was on the weekend. It was the last one I was there for. He on the weekend. He talks so much just about you know taking the advice on when to travel, staying over a night, traveling in the morning, things like that. Just recognizing the importance of getting to bed, not sitting in a plane after a game. Um, all these things. They are trying to optimize themselves as much as they can, and I I've come to think that that's part of the story on this season. They're doing all the smart things, and they're getting the results because of it. So five delightful, and two. Delightful, insightful as usual. Thank you, Patrick. We'll talk to you next week. Always, guys. Take care. Time for hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. And coming to you from the wall center, of course, Patterson, shall we? Uh, I've got one from Jason Sobel, who covers uh, the PGA Tour and has for a long time now at the Action Network. Pretty simple. There's live golf being played today, y'all. On the Century, over at Kapalua, uh, five Canadians, including three BC boys. Adam Hadwin, Nick Taylor, coming off his win at uh, the Canadian Open. Adam Spenson uh, is in the field as well, along with Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes. So it's only a 59-man field, no cut. Great way to start the year for these guys and get a jump on uh, just about everybody else in the sport and to have three of the BC guys there uh, to start the year. Uh, yeah, we got golf back, so uh, looking forward to that. Fabulous, fabulous stuff. The only thing is, what is going on with golf? That's the only <laughs> problem. At Adam underscore Stanley, Mackenzie Hughes got a few things off his chest in Hawaii. Quote, I just think fans are kind of left scratching their head thinking, like, what is going on? End quote. Here's everything you need to know from Hughes, the thoughtful guy with a measured point of view. We've already chronicled this uh, a little bit, Jeff, that, you know, now the players themselves are saying, listen, we don't have any information. What the hell is going on? And uh, Hughes has gone on to um, express his frustration. He said it's been a very weird year. Um, I thought there were a lot of times that we sat in those meetings thinking that we were having good, meaningful discussions. Then a month later, something would happen. And you'd be like, wait, we didn't even really decide on this yet. Um, I don't think the players feel like they have any control over the sport that they participate in. Um, nor do they feel like they have confidence in the leadership that they've got. Yeah, and of course, it's kind of been out of sight, out of mind, because golf has gone dormant here for the last uh, couple of months. But in that time, John Rahm packs up and 
he goes to live. So that storyline not going away at all. Uh, yeah, I saw Mackenzie Hughes comments uh, just talked about uh, entitlement out on the PGA Tour, the fact that uh, uh, they're all losing the plot here or that fans are the ones that are really getting hosed. And so, uh, you know, good for him for stepping up and speaking up like that. And hopefully uh, will remain a, a strong voice off the course. And let's hope, uh, like the rest of the Canadians, uh, a strong voice on the golf course as well this year. Absolutely. Uh, give us another one. So I've got one from Kelly Chase, a former St. Louis Blues tough guy at Chase and Pucks 39. He's been waging a pretty public battle against leukemia for a while now. And this is a guy that uh, engaged in a lot of fights during his time in the NHL, but in the fight uh, of his life right now. And he posted a selfie with his arm around Rick Tockett and said, you have a real friend that will spend four hours in a hospital room the night before a game on the road, first class talk, all around winner. And uh, good on Rick Tockett uh, for stopping by. Obviously, the fraternity of uh, tough guys and uh, guys that played the game that way uh, back in their day. So uh, good on Rick Tockett for carving out a little time on the road. Uh, it's a busy life as an NHL head coach, but uh, priorities here and stopping by to visit his buddy uh, who's going through this battle. Uh, he's He's got some, and I mean this in a complimentary way, he's got some of those old school values, uh, loyalty and all that. Um, I mean... You know, some of that's going to get passed down to the team too, right? I mean, yep. we, we talk about this in a in a bad way about uh, the Canucks organization, about how, you know, the leadership at the tippity top um, can somehow have a detrimental effect on the on the team. Well, at least within the dressing room, though, they're getting good leadership from Rick Tockett. And, and I think it, it you know, I, I don't think it's too mushy to say, you know, players are going to see that sort of loyalty sure. and, yep. and, 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 they're going to bring it to the ice. They're going to say, hey, if, if he's doing that, I mean, the least I can do is do X for my teammate out on the ice. At Sportsnet, the dressing room was the place to be on tonight's panel and the popcorn emoji. Things getting a little bit heated yeah. on one of the Sportsnet panels, uh, primarily between Jamal Mayers and Jennifer Botterill. And, and it stayed civil, but uh, ultimately direct opposition but a pretty serious uh topic and that is this on ice retribution trend that we've seen over the last week and a half in the national hockey league jeff and and i think it's just coincidental i think i don't think anything has happened to open the doors for this necessarily um but hartman v perfetti is perhaps the the most ridiculous version of it it's one thing to get the uh revenge hit on a guy it's another thing to fight a guy that doesn't want to fight. And we, we even saw that uh, a couple of times uh, in the last couple of weeks. But Hartman high-sticking Perfetti on purpose in a face-off where Hartman's admitting that he's doing it as retribution for something Perfetti wasn't even involved in. I mean, it's next-level ridiculousness. And Jamal Mayers is there saying he's totally fine with it. And sometimes you need to do these sorts of things. And Botterill just said... Are you kidding me? Like it was, it was an absolutely stunning discussion and one that I can't believe needed to be had. Yeah, I was a little surprised. Like Jamal Maris, a pretty honest player in his day. And uh, I mean, okay, the code, I get it, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but fairly measured in his analysis work and the parts that I've seen of him. But you could see Jennifer Botterill across the table just sort of fuming as yeah. he was going and eventually the steam coming out of her ears and good on her. I, I'm a big fan of Jennifer Botterill. I think she's uh, been a terrific addition to uh, those Hockey Night panels and uh, the midweek as well. 
but yeah, I mean, look, spirited debate is great. Like, uh, we need more of it. In fact, and, uh, maybe that should be the resolution here uh, on, on Scarce and Price in 2024. But, you know, that gets engagement. It gets reaction. It gets people's attention, as does what went on between Minnesota and Winnipeg. And unfortunately, it happened, you know, under the cover of New Year's and the Winter Classic and not terribly high-profile teams, but they played back-to-back. And in that first one, Brendan Dillon... You know, the couple of shots on Kirill Kaprizov, who's out of the lineup now. Man, you take him out of the wild lineup, and what are they? They scored one goal the other night against Calgary in a loss, and it was Pat Maroon. So Minnesota in a bit of a, a world of hurt here, literally and figuratively, because Kaprizov is off, out for a while. You know, you take down a star like that, there's probably going to be some consequences. And so in the rematch, again, uh, things got a little sideways there. And then, yeah, the fact that Ryan Hartman was mic'd up and – uh, nowhere to hide when basically you're telling the guy across the face off that you're you're coming for his eye. Uh, so uh, we'll see where things go here. Uh, they do play again one more time, and I saw people already circling that one on the calendar. But again, like the panel, uh, you know, some of that stuff. Like I don't need high sticks in the face, but again, a little bit of rivalry, a little bit of heat to some of these games. I'm totally okay with that. Well, I, absolutely. I, I, I... Yeah, I just I've always subscribed to if you didn't like the way that that guy was hit, then go hit the guy that gave you the hit. Um, but to jump guys to high stick them as retribution, uh, isn't especially it's, I mean, it's not even in the course of play, really. It's no. it's it's at the face off, it's absolutely ridiculous. But the other thing to consider is, uh, for segments like that, folks, and not that Jamal Mayers doesn't think that, I have no way, I have no idea if he does or does not. Sometimes you do have to, uh, as Matt often says, put on the clown shoes a little bit and be oppositional just for the sake of a, a debate. Um, I, I'm going to hope that's what was happening there with Jamal Mayers and me being the tough guy back in his playing days. Maybe he put up his hand and said, okay, I'll be devil's advocate here. But it, it looked like a natural debate to me. So um, I, I just throw that out there as a, as a possibility here. Are you uh, out of hashtags? No, i got one more quick one okay. here uh, from Seth Rohrbaugh, who has covered the Pittsburgh Penguins for a long time for the Tribune Review in Pittsburgh. And his post was, a little light news. Jesse Pugliarvi is slated to join the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins on a professional tryout. You remember Jesse Pugliarvi from yeah. past movies like Edmonton and Carolina. He's only 25. Now, he's coming off double hip surgery here. Oof. And apparently he's been skating with the Penguins for a little while, but has now agreed to a PTO and going to go down to the minors and try his way back to the National Hockey League. Like, this is a guy that had 15 and 14 goals in consecutive seasons in Edmonton not that long ago. Fourth overall pick, of course, the guy taken one before Ole Alevi in that 2016 National Hockey League draft. So, really going to be interesting to see if there is still a player in there. He does have a little bit of time on his side. Uh, the fact that the uh, you know, relatively young body can heal up at 25. We'll see if there's another act left for Jesse Pugliarvi in the National Hockey League. Obviously, Patrick Lyonnais had a tremendous success uh, at times in the National Hockey League, but that uh, triumvirate that we thought was going to be just spectacular in the National Hockey League, man, uh, there's uh, there's asterisks beside all of them now, isn't it? There, there's there's stories to unfold from all three of those players, and really only one has got a successful National Hockey League career going. So, uh, and, and and even then, again, there's. There's a lot of fine print to Patrick Lyonnais' career right now as well, so it's it's hard to believe uh, that uh, that you know, as we are in the middle of the World Junior Medal round here, um, those three guys that were so spectacular, only one ends up being 
a kind of star. Well, and really, I mean, obviously the Leafs got it right at the top of the draft with Austin Matthews, but Pierre-Luc Dubois went third overall, and he's worn out his welcome in a couple of stops already, forced his way out of Winnipeg, and, you know, has found a good spot in Edmund, in Los Angeles, rather. Uh, but still, like you know, there's a little bit of a checkered pass there. So, yeah, you never know what you're getting with the top of a draft class. Uh, it worked out okay at the very top uh, that year, but uh, certainly some question marks uh, right behind Austin Matthews. And that is hashtags for today. Garrison Price from the Wall Center and joined by the Daily Hash once again. Rob, the hockey guy, uh, and uh, Rob, the Canucks keep rolling as the new year begins. They keep high rolling as well. Uh, there was uh, some star-studded guests uh, in the VIP seats. Francesco Aquilini coming down with the great unwashed and and watching games with the public, uh, but he had some yeah had some uh, good wingmen, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, with the public, sort of, uh, you know, with the we, with the other, uh, the elite, I guess, in the, yes. uh, the, the elite VIP public, seat. yeah. But but yeah, no, like close close by to the non-elite seats, because of course there's you know only a handful of of rows uh, in that new VIP section. It's funny, I was trying to spot him from from the press box, and there was another guy wearing like a similar colored jacket to Gretzky, and I I thought initially that that was that that was him and that guy was sort of sitting by himself and he was sitting in the he was sitting in a black seat that was not a vip seat and i was like they didn't put wayne in the in one of the the plush <laughs> extra leg room uh, seats uh but no yeah he you know w- with uh with francesco aquilini um which i which i think always makes for good uh meme material uh and and also of course chad uh, kruger from nickelback and yeah i i think that's uh, it, it made for for fun social media content, I think, uh, on on a on an otherwise also fun you know fun first period, and I think the last couple of periods were a little bit more forgettable as the Canucks cruised the victory. Hey, Rob, you you wrote about the fact that Gretzky was there. Were you surprised at the reaction that he got? Like, I know he's the great one. I get it. I know his place in hockey royalty. I understand. But I think he's been back to Vancouver before. Obviously, Torch in uh, 2010 at the Olympics. And uh, this is also a guy that torched the Canucks for, you know, most of his career and every other team. I I was surprised at sort of this visceral reaction. It was almost like they sprung it on the crowd. But I don't know. Maybe people were just in the holiday mood. But, like, the standing O, uh, it, it felt a little over the top, quite frankly, for me. Yeah, it was a lot. I mean, I, I think we saw something similar with Marcus Naslin as well, right? Where where I thought, oh, I was like, wow, okay, this is a little bit more than the average ovation. I think you find that a bit more when it's a when it's a bit of more of a more of a surprise, I guess, to the fed. I mean, obviously, you know, Jeff, you spotted him at, at the morning skate, yeah. so you know, I had a pretty good idea he was going to be there. But I don't know that that everyone in the that arrives to the rink is expecting to see. Uh, the the great one in attendance. So I think the the surprise factor I think adds to it. I think if you'd shown like things in the crowd, well, like well, you know, I, I saw Henrik at Whole Foods last week, right? Like it's you know, it's it's not as much of a of a of a big surprise. So I think that added to it. But I would agree, yeah. And and I thought it was good. The the Canucks game presentation team 
they kind of kept him on the on the screen for a little while. So you know, you know, you can see Wayne at first just sort of doing the polite waves and expecting, I think, the, the camera to pan away, and it just stays on him. And he's like, "Well, I guess I better stand up here," <laughs> you know. So yeah, yeah it, it, all, it was fun to see. But all of my <laughs> did the weird wave with. All... <laughs> Well, whoever was in the in the row behind them was also very social because uh, Chad and Wayne uh, were talking with them as much as they were with Francesco, which, again, as you mentioned, Rob, made for some interesting memes because it, at times it looked like they were completely excluding Francesco, which was mm, chef's kiss. Um, but uh, it was a lot of fun to see him. And as you mentioned, it was a, an interesting game, big first period. But in the end, uh, the other uh, takeaway was that Thatcher Demko continues to climb the ladder for goaltending wins it feels like he just arrived and he's already joining the top handful of Canuck goaltenders uh, taking over from uh, his tutor uh, early in his career in Jacob Markstrom, uh, who is next on the list. So it's, uh, it's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. This wasn't on my radar at all. I, I saw Blake, I saw your tweet about it, that he tied Jacob Markstrom 99 wins. Now his next will be a hundred. Uh, He's accomplished it fewer games, just uh, 194 games played. Markstrom played 229 games, and uh, he's closing in now on on the all-time list. Where you know, like you say, like it, it feels like Demko's still kind of a young goalie, but you know, he's he's 28 now. He's he's you know he's well into his career, and he's 10 games back of the immortal Dan Cloutier for fourth on the all-time list. So he. He, uh, you know, barring injury, he, he'll pass Cloutier this season. And, Seems inevitable uh, by, he gets to third, right, guys? Isn't it inevitable he at least well, gets to third? I, I think, you mark this one down for a future poll question, but look, he's 28. He's sitting on 100. His next win will be 100. Roberto Luongo is the king uh, with 252. So does Thatcher Demko pass Roberto Luongo? Like five 30-win seasons if he's to extend his contract here, like I think it's eminently doable that Thatcher Demko could, I mean, 531 seasons with where this team is right now, uh, with where he is. So, you know, yes, Kluche's next, and then it's Richard Bruder, and then you've got Kirk and, and Roberto. I mean, those are the guys at the top of the heap. But I, I do wonder, because uh, I saw that the other day too. I thought, okay, 100 wins, but really it's more about can he get to 252? And I think, yes, it's quite possible before all is said and done, if he sticks around as a Canuck, that Thatcher Demko will have more wins than any other goaltender. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at it like Richard Berder's at 126. So, you know, again, barring injury, he should pass Berder yeah. for third by next season. McLean's at 211 and Luongo at 252. I don't think he'll be able to get to those numbers by the end of his current contract. Right. And like you say, if he, if he extends and plays another, what, how many, I don't know how many years it would take, but maybe another five years. Um, I think he could, he could uh, start to reach uh, Luongo and, and yeah, there's very, every real possibility that if he, if he sticks around Vancouver and plays well into his thirties, um, not even well into his thirties, like, you know, just like, 33 34 like like he should be able to to be the all-time uh leader in in wins by by Canucks goalie let's see if he can get to the to McLean's record for uh playoff wins though that's 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 the one I think Canucks fans would like to see. that will be the mark yes uh, indeed uh by the time a lot of people uh, listen or watch this uh they will already know the first Canuck all-star uh, as that gets announced uh, mid-game on the uh, first slate of Eastern contests. 
but somebody's probably going to be left on the outside looking in. Like, what, what do you think the maximum number that any team will have? Like, no team can have four, can they? Are they going to bring four? Like, given the, the roster size, like, there's no, not, there's nobody it's, that's going to have four. It's in members. Toronto. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe the Leafs, but all the Leafs. I mean, is it possible that they have four? I mean, if it's only three, there's two guys that are probably going to be disappointed, or at least on the outside, as, as Jeff has chronicled. We're not sure that Elias Pettersson will be disappointed if he doesn't have to go, but th- th- there could be two guys that are on the outside for sure. I tried to do some digging a few weeks ago, just asking the NHL, like, what is the format this year? Because, they're, you know, they're doing the the uh, the the draft. They're bringing the, the draft format back, but they're doing the – Fourteen tournament. So, like, are they picking players? Like, are they picking an even number of players by division? Are they doing conference again? Does it even matter? You know, I know every every team is getting at least one player. So maybe they're not they're not you know maybe dividing it, it up. But yeah, yeah, maybe they're not doing that. So the less division by you know by divisions or conferences, the better for having extra players. But once they pick the the first thirty two, there's only 12 more spots and you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl are going. We know that. Like, that'll be, that'll be a duo. And, you know, as Jeff, you know, like, having having it in Toronto, they always give extra players. You know, is the whole core four going to go from Toronto and be in the All-Star game? I could see that. Um, so, I so you know Toronto is going to get a bunch of extra players. Really, the Canucks should have, like, they have five all-star worthy players. I, I don't recall the last time. You probably have to go back to the 2011. And I, even then, I'm not sure you had five all-star caliber, you know, seasons like the Canucks have at this moment. For me, Quinn Hughes, you know, I, I guess we'll see if, he, if he's the guy. That would be my guess is that Hughes is the, is the first guy chosen. And then after that, how do you, how do you pick? Like, like, with the year that Bester's having, how do you not have him in there? But, you know, you've got Miller and Pedersen are top 10 in NHL scoring. I don't know how you leave them out. So Demko is probably the easier guy, if you look at his numbers, I think, to, to leave off. But but even then, it's like he's a, he's a, a Vezina candidate this far into the right. season. Yeah. Hey, guys, we've reached a stage where all-star game nods are not contract points, right? Like he... Like with fan voting and such, you you don't get to go to the general manager when you're negotiating a contract and say I'm a four time All Star, right? Like or or they can't use it against you, right? Like that that, that ship has sailed, hasn't it? I think it has. It's certainly All Star game appearances because then at the end of the year there are the season ending All Stars as well. I think those ones maybe hold a little more water, but right. yeah, anytime you introduce fan voting into something, there's no way that you can uh, you know bring that uh, into your. Uh, contract demands or any sort of uh, negotiations with the with the hockey club it's no. lost so much of his luster even just for like you know you used to be able to say like a you know a 10-time all-star i think they even did that when they introduced gretzky and mentioned the, the all-star games he's he's been to and you know they they mentioned that like in the nba they mentioned how many times lebron james has been an all-star that means something now it's like at, you know you're an all-star if you play on a bad team and you get a guaranteed spot. But if, you know, if you're playing, you know, poor Ryan Nugent Hopkins, like how to try to make the all-star game with, with McDavid and Dreisaitl, like, how do you do that? 
Um, so yeah, I but think it's it's, just, it's watered down across the board. I'm watching NFL games and they're saying Pro Bowler, blah blah blah. I'm like that guy's <laughs> in the he's a Pro Bowler, like because everybody declines, so they go down to the the third tier to get Pro Bowlers. Right? Rob, so. you bring up a good point. Like you said, you had to reach out to the NHL to sort of seek some clarification, and I guess we'll get it in due course here. But you know, we're now inside a month from the All Star Weekend in Toronto. They talked about the overarching changes, but the fact that the three of us do this for a living. We don't know the format, and I'm still totally unclear about this new revamped skills competition that apparently there's a million bucks involved, but like we still don't know, like, how are they selecting the players from the 44 that are going to be there for All-Star Weekend? Like, I have no idea who's going to take part in the skills competition, so Elias Pedersen could go to the All-Star Weekend, but he may not be part of the, the skills competition, or Brock Besser, one of your leading goal scorers. Like, I'd love to see him pick targets and and do his shooting thing like he did when he was the MVP a couple of years ago down in Tampa. But like, I don't think the league has done a good job at all of messaging what this is going to look like for the average fan. And ultimately that's the people that they need to tune into uh, the skills competition and, and the games themselves. Totally agree. Yeah. I mean, like how, like this should be the time where you're hyping, hyping everything up. Like I've been wanting to, I, I mean, I was, I reached out cause I wanted to write about like, this exact topic of like who's who's going to get snubbed from the Canucks, and then I was like, I don't think I can even write about it because I don't even know the rules of the game. <laughs> so you know, you're waiting, waiting around for it, and you know, still, uh, you know, right as they're going to start announcing players, we don't even know. Um, yeah, it's that that's going to be an interesting thing too. Like, what if there's you know, there's every real possibility that there's not a single Canuck player participating in the skills competition, which for me is the most fun part of all-star weekend right like that that's more fun than the game like that you actually get some some cool moments i think in the skills competition and and yeah i i like that they're trying something different with it and and trying to get some some real competition in it and and with money on on the line i think that you get more of a chance for that and i think even just by by keeping it to just a select group of players you're going to just have the players that really want to be there and really be involved and they're going to be involved in a lot of competitions rather than you get your one event, you get your maybe second event and then you're done. And I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but you do wonder how much teams lean into the league and say, listen, can you take so-and-so if it's 50, 50, take so-and-so not, not this guy because he's exhausted and blah, 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 blah. Like, I, I honestly like Miller and, and Pedersen should be there, but I wonder if the three for the Canucks end up being Besser, Hughes, and Demko because they're sort of category leaders, you know, like, like it'd be weird. Like Besser's not as good a player as Miller and, and Pedersen, but it'd be weird not to have the third leading goal scorer in the entire league at the all-star game. I, I can't recall if Miller's played in an all-star game before. I don't think so. I, he, ha he hasn't with the Canucks. So I do think that that would be, you know, when we're talking about whether this means something or not, I think for someone like JT Miller, Perhaps. you know, age 30, this deep into his career, you look at it, how many, you know, you know, how many points he's piled up since he's joined the Canucks. He's been there, you know, yeah. up there with the leading scorers, him and Pedersen. I think this would really mean a lot to JT Miller, uh, whether you admit it publicly or not, I'm not sure, but I think this would definitely mean a lot to Miller if, if he got to go. Yeah, I mean, he had his 99-point season the other two years ago. He didn't go then. I think Thatcher Demko was the rep that year in Vegas. So, uh, you know, overlooked a, a little perhaps. And obviously he had a big finish that year after the All-Star break. But uh, uh, knowing JT a little, like, I wonder 
like, yeah, on one hand, sure, it would be nice to be acknowledged. The other hand, the trip to Toronto, uh, you know, to have to go halfway across the continent uh, where you could have a week off. And uh, I don't know. I, I, it'd be interesting to get inside his brain and sort of get, the, you know, the real truth about uh, where he stood and, and how he felt about participating in an all-star weekend. For all of them. They, I mean, I, I'm sure all of them want a bit of a break, although, you know, they, they got a long Christmas break, a long holiday break. So, And the schedule works that they start out of the break in Carolina. So you're heading east regardless. That's true, too. Yeah. yeah like, you know, Patterson I, I do last want, year, you had to I, get to Florida, and then I think where did they started out in Jersey, I guess, uh, out of the all-star break last year. So you, you sort of factor some of that in as well in terms of the logistics involved. I, I do wonder if, if Patterson wants to go at this time, you know, because yeah. you just know the questions are going to come from, and of, and of all places to have the all-star game, to have it in Toronto, Toronto. Yeah, like it's going right. to be the, the media day is going to be maxed out with people just asking about the contracts. Uh, you know, maybe he gets a question about Chicago. I don't know. Um, so I think if there's one guy that might be like, ah, oh, maybe it'd be a good year to sit out. Maybe, it'd be, <laughs> maybe it'd be better. So I'm sure he'd, 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 he'd be honored to, to go otherwise, but uh, the media day, I don't think would be a, be a favorite so for uh, for someone in his position this season. Or, or how about they just say to the Canucks, here's the number hit that number and it's out of the way by the all-star break and we don't have a big circus. How about that? Maybe that happens. Nice. Uh, Rob, thank you for this. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll be looking for the latest in uh, the offside vertical and daily hive. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Thanks guys. Harrison Price from the Wall Center. Don't forget, uh, anytime you want to send us any feedback, 774-029680 into the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Oh, I didn't do this for yesterday. But you no, still I was waiting, too. Yeah. I was there. I was ready. I was primed, but it's all right. Saved it up. There was an error. There was our omission <laughs> right there. Uh, our only one for the day, by the way. Oh, Forgot starting the year off right. Hey. It's suspicious. You know, Matt goes away for a couple of days and all of a sudden the Arizona missions just evaporate. Hmm. It's, uh, you almost wonder um, if you might be the source. A couple of quick Whitecaps uh, news and notes here before we get to our uh, bets of the day. Um, and, and I wonder if this is actually just stemming from an interview that Benny Sartini gave in, a, in an Italian magazine. Um, but there's other people now furthering this at MLS transfers uh, saying Vancouver Whitecaps left back Ali Ahmed has growing interest from Europe, including from Portuguese powerhouse sporting CP. Now the Vanny stuff was talking about who could play in Syria sometime. And he mentioned Ahmed, this is to the uh, Portuguese league, obviously. Um, so, you know, you hope that's not for this season because with some departures expected here for the Whitecaps, they're going to need Ali Ahmed. Um, and then there's the MLS insider at Tom Bolgert saying that uh, Danish club AC Horsens has finalized a deal to sign Simon Betcher from the Whitecaps. The fees mm-hmm. in the region of 400K. The Whitecaps keep a sell-on percentage, too. If he goes on to bigger and better things, the Caps get some cash back. Uh, Betcher, of course, exploding onto the scene in his career. Uh, six goals and two assists in 700 minutes of competition last season. But uh, the second half was frigid for Simon Betcher. There wasn't much doing there. So some development needed, obviously. Um, 
he's got some interesting skills, but the Caps want him to develop elsewhere and get some more minutes because he didn't find his way onto the pitch a whole lot in the second half of the season. So one definite departure and one possible one, and you just hope that the Whitecaps momentum from last season doesn't get deflated in an offseason in which a lot of other teams are making news here. Uh, George Mihailovic just signed in Colorado. He's, he's, he comes back from Europe to, to Major League Soccer, U.S. Men's National Teamer. Other teams are going are gonna to improve here, Jeff. And and after a great season under the dome for both Lions and the Whitecaps, do you hope there's no regression for either side? Hey, Blake, do you know, does Vanny, like, year-round in Vancouver, does he go back to the old country in the offseason? Where does yeah, he spend? For, for a spell, for a couple of weeks. He also went to Japan for a couple-week vacation, and he'll go back to Italy for a little bit as well. But, uh, no, he's, I mean, it's, as long as he's working here, he spends a lot of time in Vancouver, so... I was yeah. going to say, if Matt can go to Mexico, you know, you could somehow on the company dime, little investigative research in Tuscany or the Amalfi yeah, right. Coast there. Yeah. Could write that off pretty easily, I think. <laughs> yeah. Time for our Betway bets of the day. Uh, what do you have for us here, Jeff? Well, some funky lines for the final week of the NFL regular season with the number of playoff teams expected to rest key starters. So I'm looking at Saturday's game. Yes, Saturday's. Uh, Pittsburgh at Baltimore, Ravens have locked up everything in the AFC. They're one of those teams likely to sit a bunch of starters. Steelers very much in the playoff hunt, opportunity knocking for Pittsburgh in this one. Big road win in Seattle last week. We'll see if they can do it again. I'm taking the Steelers at 150 on the money line. Uh, the favorite part I've got about Betway is you can choose your over-under. So if you want to you want to get more aggressive than just pump up the total points and take the over. And I'm going to do that for the last one of the week dolphins and mm. bills uh who knows what starters are playing but even if the starters aren't in i think errors lead to points so i'm gonna take the over but the over at 50.5 i'm gonna ask for a shootout in the sunday nighter pays out a 205 now baltimore got to the over on their own last week against miami so we'll see if uh right. the bills can feast on that dolphins defense as well uh, that's a big one. Obviously, uh, playing for the AFC East. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, that is the final game of the regular season and uh, a nice-looking matchup. Please play responsibly. Must be 19 years of age or older. Your Betway bets of the day. Uh, Jeff, pleasure as always. And uh, we'll do it one more time. Uh, tomorrow on a Friday, we'll have Frank Corrado by uh, to talk some more hockey and get him to... Uh, look back on the Canucks and Blues alongside us. So uh, looking forward to that. Please do support the fabulous partners that support local themselves here within BC. And we'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Secure Some Press.